Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode number 70 of Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Baldacci. And today, I'm talking with Pia Silva of Worst of All Design, who shares how to badass your brand, which is also the title of her new book. Pia and her partner work one to two weeks a month. They bring home around $250,000 a year in profit. They don't have to spend all their remaining time networking, and they also have no employees. But things weren't always so great. In our chat, Pia shares how she went from $40,000 in credit card debt to $500,000 in profits in 12 months by completely rethinking the business without spending a dime on advertising. She also breaks down the process she follows to help other service businesses make similar transformations. Pia has really been through it all and doesn't hold back when talking about her successes and her failures. If having a steady stream of qualified clients coming to you without spending all of your time on the phone or networking sounds like a dream, then this is the episode for you. So without further ado, here's Pia Silva, author of Badass Your Brand. Pia, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Andy. Great to be here. So you and your partner have been running Worst of All Design for over nine years. And while things have been going really well recently, it hasn't always been a smooth ride to say the least. So what were the early days like of your studio? Sure. Well, I'm sure a lot of people can relate. Um, We started in our house. He was a freelance graphic designer. I have a background in business. And we just said, let's just get clients and work for ourselves. And that's the dream. Um, And over the first couple of years, we had some successes. And we essentially started to build an agency, much like the agencies we saw in the world. So um, I I credit E-Myth, if you know the E-Myth. It's a big business book. When I read that book and it said I worked I owned my own job. I said, oh, that's not going to do. So I went out and hired two people and uh, tried to start building this agency. And essentially, I was copying what I saw in the world. And it was very, very difficult. I was networking all the time, always looking for clients, writing very long, thoughtful proposals. Um, I didn't really know how to get clients. And and we got them here and there, but it was constant pitching, lots of free work, um, overworked and underpaid (laughs) is how I felt all the time. Um, And what were your services in in, in the very beginning? What actually were you working on clients with? Well, at first we were doing whatever we could get, but as we built it into an agency, we really tried to only pitch for full branding projects. So we were doing the logo, the design of the website, all of the collateral, and these were, you know, three to eight month projects depending on uh, the client. When that happened, when when you're working with these clients, when you've gone out on your own and you're like, all right, this is how I'm going to make it our own way. We're going to not have the typical nine to five job. This is going to be wonderful. This is a dream. What actually happened? What was that like a few years in? How long was it kind of a slog? Uh, well, I would say the first year when we were just working out of our house, that was a certain kind of slog, right? Because we were, I mean, we're in uh, Brooklyn, New York. So our apartment's not that big. My husband and I are working together. Sometimes we would never leave the apartment. So when we were just kind of rolling out of bed into the chair with the computer, um, that was really intense. But even just being able to make money that we could, that could support ourselves without having a boss was such an exhilarating feeling. Um, 
We got the office, our, our studio. We hired our two employees so that we could start to get bigger projects and become more legit. Um, and that was a different kind of slog because in that I was responsible for two people's salaries. Um, and so what I did was basically whenever I was not working on a client, I was out networking because that was the only way I knew how to look for clients. So that is exhausting. If you have ever used networking as your main source of marketing, it is the most exhausting thing you can do. And I, you know, I felt like I had to wear high heels in New York City, running around on the subway, uh, going from Starbucks to Starbucks, super caffeinated all day. What um, kind of stuff are you doing? Is it just going to typical networking events or how are you making networking work? Uh, well, I wouldn't say I was making it work um, because I because I, it didn't end up working. Um, but I was part of a networking group in the morning. I would have coffee dates with people from my networking group. Everyone I was introduced to, I would go to people's offices. I mean, it was whoever whoever would sit down with me for an hour, I would sit down with them. So you know, insurance salesmen and financial advisors, because the theory in networking is they. You don't know who they know, but it's such a spaghetti at the wall strategy. Um, and that's why it's so exhausting and, and doesn't bear as much fruit as I now have learned so many other things do. As you're going through this, you have people who you're responsible for paying. Their livelihood is in your hands. At what point did you sort of look up and realize this isn't what you had wanted? This wasn't the dream you thought it was. Well, I wish I could say that I had that realization on my own, <laughs> but I didn't. I was forced into the realization. Um, about three years after we started, I mean, almost exactly three years after we started our business, uh, we we had been raising our prices very quickly because every time we did one of these big branding projects, we realized we were giving so much more and it was taking so much more time than we were getting paid for. So I kept increasing the price. So at one point, I just doubled the price. I went from 16000 to $32,000 um, because I, I was looking at, again, at my competitors. That's what they were charging. Our work was just as good. I, I could see that it was just as good. I said, you know, I'm just going to go for it. And then like... I could not close a client. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. Um, at that price, there's a lot more competition. I'm competing with agencies who have been around a lot longer. Um, we came in second on a lot of projects. And that was, you know, a lot of uh, many clients would tell us, we loved your work. We just kind of almost had to go with this other agency because they've just been, you know, they're just rock stars and they've been doing this for 30 years, you know. Um, so that was uh, the one reason. And and so we didn't close any clients and we ended up in debt. That's what happened. We maxed out our credit cards. We were in $40,000 debt. I was paying the employees, but obviously we weren't paying ourselves. Um, and, I, you know, I was borrowing from the little savings I had. I basically depleted it to pay our employees who were not working on projects, we didn't really have that much work. So, you know, there was a pivotal moment where we said, we have to do something different because we literally don't have any more credit. Um, and that's when we had this perceptual shift. Actually, my husband, my partner, uh, he said, it's time to let the employees go. And I just felt completely defeated at that. You know, I was like, we're building an agency. That's admitting defeat. That's admitting failure. I don't want to do that. You know, it feels like we're going backwards. And he said, it's not, it's not that we're not good at what we do. It's that we're not doing it right. And maybe this is the next phase of our business. It's not that we failed. It's that we need to shift how we're looking at this. 
And believe me, the second we actually decided to let them go, I mean, that was $8,000 a month of overhead. I felt like I just made (laughs) $8,000 because I didn't owe it in a couple of weeks. Um, and, And that was the beginning of the shift. At that point, you have this weight lifted off your shoulders, but you still don't necessarily have work coming in. So what is the plan at that point? Well, first... You know, lowering our overhead, we basically cut it in half. That gave us a little room to breathe. And with that room, we started to reanalyze how we were operating. And one of the big things that we did was we actually put ourselves through our own process. So this is the process we put our clients through. And we said, wait a second, we haven't really done this for ourselves. And one of the things that I asked clients and we asked ourselves was, you know, what do we really like about this? What's our favorite part of this? And it turned out we love the work. We really do love branding projects and working with clients. Um, we didn't so much like the long drawn out projects. We didn't like the project management. Um, it, it was the, the design by committee. Uh, so we, we actually looked at a product that we had already, this small service that we used to offer called a brand up. And we said, we love those. Those are really fun. Essentially, we built this product the year before. Clients came in for the day and we did what, as much as we possibly could for them. We charged them $3,000 and at the end of the day, it was over. And so that was a really fun way to work because there wasn't the ongoing part. Um, and it was also, as we started to realize, much more profitable than these huge projects. Why was it that much more profitable? Like, What is it about the bigger projects that just lends themselves to not having great margins? You know, I, it's a combination of just the way that they're set up. I find that there's so much project management and, and it adds up very quickly. So here and there, emails with clients, check-ins with clients, feedback, waiting for feedback. We personally found that websites would take twice as long because we were waiting on copy from the client, um, you know, collateral, just, relying on a client for part of the project made these projects go on much longer. And all of that time and project management just sucked the profit out of the projects. Now, that's also my fault. You know, I don't think at the time I was very good at project management. I'm sure some people can manage projects to maintain profit. Obviously, huge agencies are able to do that somehow, but I wasn't doing that well. Um, so these uh, brand ups were so much more profitable because that was completely eliminated. They got all the work and there was no ongoing project management to suck out the profits. How did those brand ups fit into your process for working with clients prior to making the shift? Was this just something? How did it come up? Why would they take that option rather than the full branding experience through you guys? Right. Well, we actually didn't advertise it and they didn't know it existed. I built the brand up the year before because uh, basically when we raised the price to $30,000, we priced ourselves out of all these people that I had met networking. So I had all of these fans who wanted to work with us and I would get a lot of inquiries, but they just didn't have the budget. So my business coach at the time said, well, you know, don't just leave that on the table. Like, what could you sell them? What would you be willing to do? So that's how we built the brand up. We said, you know, we're pretty fast. We could actually do a lot of damage in one day. So let's just put a price on that. And I kind of kept it in my back pocket. So anytime someone approached me and asked me about what we do, I and if I found out that their budget was substantially lower, 
I'd say, oh, we have this other thing. It's called a brand up. Um, maybe we can do that. So that's how it started. But it was very hush hush because I really had this vision of this big agency that I had glorified uh, that we were working towards. Right. And it's very hard to build a, a big thing on the back of a single day engagement. And so once, but once you do step back and realize that that's where the profit is, how do you change things going forward? Is this like all you're, you're pushing this now everywhere you can go? Or how do you actually take this and really run with it? Well, we, there was definitely a day where we said it's time to completely pivot. And obviously we design and build websites. So we, Within a day or two, we completely changed the messaging on our website and said, this is all we do. So that was one thing. We we doubled down on this concise, clear, focused message. And then the other thing was I had all these proposals out. Um, you know the drill. You know, you have all these proposals out. You don't hear back. You call them up and, hey, just checking in on that proposal. Ugh, such an awful call to make. Um, <laughs> and uh, hey, just checking in. Um, and so so actually what we did was I, I called all of the people who for whom I had proposals out. And I had that same kind of awkward, hey, and you know, the client on the other end, oh, so sorry, I haven't gotten back to you. Yeah, uh, you know, they get all awkward. And I said, oh, no, 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 I'm calling to tell you that that proposal no longer stands. We're not doing that anymore. Um, but we, we're actually doing this other thing, and it's uh, for a fraction of the price, and we'll do it in two days instead of six months. And I closed four out of five of those. <laughs> so so that really jump-started the, you know, the new focus and positioning. Right. So that immediately is, is bringing some money and I'm sure it took some time to get everything scheduled, but you have work coming in the door. You have cash coming in. Your overhead is less. So already things seem to be on the up and up. And and once you have this first taste of success, what are you guys thinking to yourselves? Are, do you immediately know we're onto something? You know, I I don't know if I was thinking that big picture. It was just such a relief to be, I mean, it, it was you know, within a couple of months, we went from debt to having paid off that debt and having profit. Um, and we were just relieved, excited. I mean, you know, it just our the space just opened up. I wasn't working on the weekends anymore. I wasn't networking anymore because what happened was this was such a unique way to work that all I had to do was tell the people I knew how we now worked. And it and I started getting referrals like crazy um, because we already had this reputation of this really high quality work out there. So it was almost like we went on sale, <laughs> you know, like a, a lot of people, oh, we can now work with, worst of all, for a, a lower price. And they were, I was surprised how okay they were with the idea that they were going to come in and make decisions and leave, you know, at the end of the day with their work. Um, I think a lot of designers can't imagine that being possible. I can tell you, I've done this hundreds of times now. It's, it's not only possible, they love it. <laughs> they love, it's, it's almost like it gives them permission to not agonize over this stuff. I get what you're saying is that people see you as now being on sale. They're, they're like, oh, wow, we can now afford this. But in technical terms, they're not buying the same thing they would have before. So what... What is it about it that you think made it so that they were okay with that? Like, cause did they ever get any pushback about saying, well, I do want something a bit more thorough than this? Or was it just packaged up in a way that this is exactly what they were looking for? 
it's funny because I love the the space that we live in, and I I try to do this for clients too. We're we're both very expensive and very and and the less expensive option. So even though it seem it sounds like they wouldn't get the same thing, actually nowadays, I mean, we charge ten thousand dollars for a day now. Um, to me, they're getting the same level of work. The only difference is that we're not doing it over six months and they don't have the time to think about it and ask their friends what they think and all of that. But in terms of the amount of work and and the cohesiveness of the project and the quality of work, it's the same. So we're we're cutting out a piece that doesn't need to be there. And we're our our price is lower than agencies that you might compare us to, but it's much more expensive than freelancers. So, so we're both a premiumly priced product and something that is like a less expensive option. Right. And that seems like a good place to be in because uh, I like how you said that you're basically cramming in everything that would take months and months and months into a day because all of us have experienced, whether it's with a project, whether it's just going back to the college days of waiting to last minute to do work. It's like the amount of time you give to a project is basically how long it's going to take. The, the project will expand to fill up whatever yes. time you give it. And through your experience of doing these over and over again, I'm sure you've been able to understand what matters, what doesn't, cull things down so that they still get 80% of what they're getting before, but it's, it's what actually matters, and, and you're able to deliver it in a way that is way more efficient because so many agency owners that I talk to, whether it's designers or inbound marketers, whatever, it's when you have to wait for the client to give something back to you, when you're waiting for a copy, anything like that, you're going to be waiting for a while and that just blows through deadlines. So when you force it to be like, all right, this is one day you're going to come in and we're going to be working really hard. But at the end of the day, we're going to walk out with something that is tangible, that is concrete, that will get you where you need to go. I can see why that resonates so much. And so at the end of the day, at the end of a brand, what is the client actually walking away with? Uh, they are walking away with, their business strategy, their brand messaging strategy, their logo, their fully designed and built website, all of the copy, their identity materials, business cards, letterhead, stationery, social media design, um, and often marketing strategy. Wow. And is this something where literally when they walk out of your studio that day they have this or is it like a one day discovery and then they get it? Nope. So we actually... Uh, put the website live at 6. I always tell them 6 p.m. Your website will be live. Your business cards will be ordered and you will have a zip file with all of your files in it. And and part of that is for us, too, because <laughs> if, if if we didn't have that hard stop, it could start to become a different kind of project. Um, so we wrap it up with a really neat bow at the end. And that's what the client, you know, that's what we prepare them for in the beginning. Uh, that's part of the sales message too is, you know, we're saving you from yourself. <laughs> Our work is great. You're coming to us because you trust us and we know what we're doing. And you shouldn't be thinking too much about this after. You need to start working on marketing and getting it out there. Don't waste six months ag- agonizing over the shade of the blue and start marketing. And I think some people use that excuse to not go out and market because people are scared to put themselves out there. So that's part of the messaging when I'm talking to clients that I'm trying to uh, impart on them. You know, 
you need to start selling this as quickly as possible. That's what I want for you. And it's like with the traditional process that take months and months and months, it's almost as though the client sees it as their job to give feedback and to make tweaks and to make suggestions and do this. Because you're basically, when you send over early designs, you're asking for feedback, you're asking for approval, you're asking for whatever it is, and they're going to give it to you even if they're really not qualified to give it. And that's why they came to you. So it's an interesting dynamic that a lot of people don't think about. But in these brainups, like at the end of, do you ever get like some of that micromanaging from the clients are like, oh, well, I really wish we would have done this or that instead? Uh, that's a great question. So, and I'm going to go back a second and tell you that there's a really critical step that happens before the brand up. They don't come in at 10 a.m. and we're like, okay, let's start. You know, we've done a lot of prep work before they come in. Um, the first step is something called a brand shrink. And this is its own thing, no matter how what your project is, you always do a brand shrink with us first. It's an hour and a half interview where we get to the bottom of the client's needs, where they are, where they've been, and where they're trying to go. And I write them a brief that essentially outlines our opinion on what their brand needs to be about, all the things they need to start doing and stop doing. So that's like the the discovery in the road mapping session. Exactly. And okay. I tell them, you know, we can make any edits you need, but once this is set, once you sign off on this, this is the brand we're building. So, you know, we're all on the same page. And what that does is it sets their expectations up because now they're coming in at 10 a.m. understanding that they are there to make decisions. I tell them, I guarantee, people have told me not to guarantee. I say, I guarantee we will make everything on this list. I will, you will have a fully functioning website, all the stuff. Um, if you stick to our schedule. And once, and I have a schedule that I, you know, for the day and I tell them, you know, we can move around a little bit, but we really need to stick to the schedule. And once they start to go off the reservation a little bit, I always just stop them. I say, we can keep exploring this. You know, if you want to keep tweaking this color, we can do that. But I no longer can guarantee that we'll have all this stuff. And you bet. But at the same time, if we finish all of this before the end of the day, we can make you more stuff. And you better believe clients become amazing decision makers because we we love to add bells and whistles at the end. Steve will whip up some cool marketing postcards and he'll just make them all, you know, he'll like put it on a shirt and stuff. He'll make some fun stuff at the end to reward people who make decisions quickly because we love doing that. We love giving them this huge comprehensive package of stuff. And that dynamic is something that doesn't seem to come naturally to the agency client relationship. Did that come naturally to you where you are able to set those boundaries and enforce them? I, well, definitely not. I wasn't doing that in the beginning. Actually, I wrote an article about this, uh, the idea of a service provider versus an expert. So a service provider asks you what you want and tries to do it. And that's what you were talking about, sending work out and asking for feedback. You're asking them to tell you what to do. And that can be a really dangerous game. An expert is somebody who asks, what are you trying to accomplish? And then tells them how to do it. So when you create that expert dynamic with your client, they are looking to you and asking your opinion and your opinion carries weight. And all of that is based on... It's based on the entire relationship from the very first second you interact with them. You know, it's creating that dynamic where you're telling them, you know, you're coming to me because I know what I'm doing, not because you like my work and it looks like something you want. And now you want me to make your vision. I tell people, if you know what, if you think you know what your website looks like and you want to hire us to make it, we're not the right company for you. Like, I will tell you what your website needs to be 
And you can pay a lot less money for someone else to do that. It's not worth it. That's why you're paying us more because you're asking us to tell you what it should be. So it's the whole dynamic that we set up. How do you cultivate that confidence in the early days when you are in debt and when you don't have a full pipeline? Um, hmm. <laughs> That's a good question. How did I do it? I don't think I was as confident when we first started. Uh, I think in the beginning, in the beginning, there was some, there was definitely a learning curve. Uh, but I was willing to do that. We still, we still had the one and two day process. Um, but I think Steve and I probably did a lot more work on the front end, a little bit on the back end. You know, we we tightened it up with with every brand up client. We learned something and tightened it up. And also, I mean, we couldn't have charged $10,000 for a day when we first started. We got to $10,000 because we got that process tighter and tighter and tighter. I got more and more confident. I can now unequivocally say to somebody, don't do that. That will not be good for your business. That's worth more money than before when I could have said, like, I don't think that would be a good idea. (laughs) Right. And I think that's where a lot of agency owners get tripped up is because while they hear advice on value pricing, on positioning themselves as a true expert, as an authority of any of those things, they might get it, but they say, yeah, but in my case, I, I need to pay my employees. I need to pay bills. I need to do this. I need to take whoever can come through the door. And I like how you talked about it, is that in the beginning, you didn't have all that confidence. You didn't have the process figured out exactly. And you weren't charging as nearly as much as you are now. So it really is a work in progress. And I want to emphasize that for listeners because it's not like day one credit card debt, all this, you're like, all right, like, I'm just going to be a stickler. I'm going to, I'm going to be the expert and I'm going to follow these scripts and it's going to be great. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, I'd like to speak to that because what I do find very valuable, and this is something I highly recommend, um, I'm able to also have that confidence and I was able to build that expertise rather quickly because we focused on one to three person service businesses. That's who we work with. One to three person service businesses. I don't want more than three opinions involved in the project. I know that more opinions cause problems. Um, service businesses. I'm a service business. I understand marketing and building service businesses. Uh, with every client, I learn more and I become more expert. If I were an agency who is kind of in that mode that I had been in before, um, you know, I don't think you focus just arbitrarily, but just imagine if you only do, you know, artisanal food product packaging, you will just become that expert in that space much more quickly if every single client is that. And you will be able to speak with that kind of authority. And then, and with that authority comes increasing the price and that comes with increasing the profit. And as you uh, finagle your process, you get tighter. I mean, all of these things work in tandem, obviously, but that's the road that I think it, it has exponential potential in a way that if you don't get on that road, you'll always be in the slog. And that sucks. I, I know you kind of went over the the high level deliverables of what people get at the end of a brand up, but like are these types of discussions, these types of decisions that you're talking about right now, this general framework of how you think about building a successful agency, are these things that you work with your clients on during the brand up? Oh, yeah. I mean, these are recommendations that I'll often make in the brand shrink. So uh, if I see a client, it's not it, obviously every client's different. Some clients, it makes more sense to, for example, create a very specific productized service. 
You know, that's for some clients, that's great. So uh, in the brand shrink, I'll figure that out and make, make that recommendation. And in the brand up, I'll actually build it with them. So I will price it. I will help them price it. I'll write all the copy for it. I'll build their process for them. There's a lot of business development in this, quote, branding project. But to me, small service businesses, your business is your brand. Your brand is your business. If you do one without the other, you're not doing yourself any favors. <laughs> we were introduced by our mutual friend, Jake Jorgovan. And when he mentioned the branding thing, it is as an outsider to that field, I, I thought this would be more like design assets and that sort of thing. But after talking to you, it's clear that one, you think more holistically about a brand and two, that what the client ultimately gets is much more than just some nice graphics and business cards. They really are getting a true audit of the way they operate their business. Yeah, well, that's uh, that is something that also evolved. You know, I, I I mean, the depth of the business strategy part has grown over time, but it that all evolved pretty naturally because we started as a graphic design company. We evolved into a branding company. It's so funny. What actually happened was we started doing this brand shrink unofficially just so we could get our mind right about what the client wanted so that we could so that we knew that the work we were showing them made sense and we could speak to something that they said before and we weren't charging for it we were just doing it because it made our job easier and then there was a certain point where we said oh my god that's like the strategy and that's really valuable maybe we should be charging for that instead and then and it actually completely flipped i mean you know, my partner, Steve, he's an amazing designer. I tell clients, I'm like, don't worry about the design. The design is amazing. You know, this is, uh, <laughs> it's all this other stuff that's going to determine uh, what the design looks like and how successful you are. Because in the end, people aren't coming to you because they want like something that looks nice. They're coming to you because they need clients. They need sales. So I want to address that in this project so I can solve their problem. That makes perfect sense. And I love hearing you talk about how it was a process. It was a journey for yourselves to to get to this point where it is today. Just to, again, emphasize that this wasn't some overnight switch. We had it all figured out from day one. But, but fast forwarding to where things are today, roughly how many of these do you typically try to do or want to do in a given month? So uh, about a year and a half ago, we really looked at what our goals were. And that was when we, or maybe it was two years ago, we decided that $10,000 for a one day and fifteen for a two day, that was a good price point for us because of the income that we wanted to make and the amount of time that we wanted free. So my, what I like to do is to do two brand ups a month. If we get a third and it's the kind that we want, we'll take it. But essentially I like to have two weeks a month free. Um, to do other stuff. Now, a lot of the stuff that I do is writing and, you know, contribute to Forbes. I wrote my book recently. All of those things are brand building and value building so that I can continue to increase the price and those brand ups will go up to 15 and 20,000, you know. Um, But I like to price things so that about 50% of my time is spent on client work and the other 50 is free to brand build. Obviously, the 50-50 balance is where you want to keep things, but is the growth for you and your partner, is it through increasing prices? Because it doesn't seem like it's going to grow by doing more of these. Or are you just happy with where things are at right now? Yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, business colleagues of mine have really tried to push me to hire people, train them. You know, you could be doing lots of these at once. And 
maybe, you know, probably I, it's not what I want to do. You know, my, I prefer this kind of lifestyle business. Um, doesn't mean I don't want to grow. In fact, I'm, I'm kind of now building a consulting wing that is using this model and trying to, you know, do higher level strategy for people, uh, and building my own personal brand. I mean, I think for me, that's, that's an awesome future prospect and, and growth. I think there's exponential growth there that doesn't require employees because I still really value the freedom of not having salaries. Um, I have a lot of contractors, a lot of companies that I hire for different things, but I like that. I like that at any point we can shut down and, and, like shut down overhead. I like having levers for the overhead, I guess. <laughs> In these early stages of thinking about it and of working towards it, what the what is your vision for what that consulting wing would look like? Well, I built an online course. We built an online course last year called the Brand Up Bootcamp. Um, it was a it's a DIY course where we essentially took our whole process and made all these really fun and entertaining uh, videos where you go through our process yourself. And that was cool. And that's been online selling. And I've had a a bunch of people go through it. I think the next stage for me is to take that, but to add in support, like personal support, either through group support or one-on-one consulting, where I can teach these principles to other service providers in kind of an ongoing manner. I don't want to say coaching, more like consulting, <laughs> um, but there's probably an element of coaching in it too. Uh, but I think that, you know, I'm, I'm interested. I mean, I'm somebody who always wants to try new things and learn. And so I don't know. How are people finding out about this boot camp right now? Uh, Facebook ads. I've got a, a whole funnel I built, you know, Facebook ad to webinar to the boot camp. You've built what seems like a mini product ladder and that you have something, a smaller engagement that's much more hands-off or almost entirely hands-off to you uh, for people who aren't prepared for the full brand shrink and brand up experience. But just like your business coach said way back when that aren't you leaving money on the table by, by not serving the other market that can't necessarily afford the $30,000 engagement by limiting yourself right now to the 10K and 15K engagements, aren't you also limiting yourself to people who are willing to spend more for your time? I think that's that's partially why I'm building this kind of consulting wing, because I think the only way to leverage my time better is to one to many. So, you know, kind of coaching a whole group of people through this process. So there's high touch, but it's still not one-on-one. Um, at least that's my hunch, you know, we'll see. I mean, I'm always just testing and trying. I thought that the boot camp would be, and it, and it is. It took me months to learn Facebook. And <laughs> I don't know if you've dabbled in Facebook ads. Um, a bit, a bit. Not, not as seriously as it's clear that you are about it, though. Yeah, I mean, it... it <laughs> From the outside, it seems like it's a lot easier than it is. I I spent um, almost two full months learning it, uh, courses, coaches, like all of that. And and I, cr- I cracked the code. I still haven't completely cracked it, but um, I got it to a pretty profitable place. But, you know, that's what the, the beauty of our model is that I had the time to do that. So that's what I really wanted it to afford me. Um, and, you know, obviously we, we do brand ups. We do brand ups every month. Uh, but I have these weeks to learn. I'm going to stop here right there for a quick word for our sponsor. But don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets and start getting the insights into how your team is spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. You probably know that by now, but what you may not know is that we recently launched a platform called Hubstaff Talent that makes it easy for you to find and hire high-quality freelancers around the world. Whether you just need extra hands for a specific project or you're looking for something long-term, Hubstaff Talent is what you need. Best of all, it's 100% free. We don't take a cut and we don't act as a middleman. Our goal is for you to use Hubstaff for time tracking, but you're not required to do so. If you're looking to grow your team with remote freelancers and don't want to pay big fees to Upwork, head over to talent.hubstaff.com today and create a free profile for your agency and start posting your jobs. That's talent.hubstaff.com. All right, let's get back to Pia. Do you see the brand ups as being the highest end of that ladder or down the road you see offering something above that? You know, I've thought about how we could expand it. I mean, we we just started offering um, we haven't actually offered it to anybody, but we just built a twenty five thousand dollar package that's going to be more comprehensive just for thought leaders um, that includes photo photo shoots with my photographer, you know, that we art direct. Um, I just published my own book. I just did self-publishing and I, I did that so I could learn how to self-publish a book so I can advise people on that as well. So I see our larger package probably moving into this thought leader space um, where it's much more comprehensive and I can actually advise them on all aspects of building and marketing their brand. Uh, and, and it's like kind of like right behind me, you know, because that's what I'm doing for myself and I'm, I'm kind of doing it so that I can then turn around and teach someone else how to do it. Uh, yeah. That's smart. And so what, what is the book about? The book is... Oh, first, what's it called? Yeah, it's called Badass Your Brand, The Impatient Entrepreneur's Guide to Turning Expertise into Profit. It's our philosophy. It's I feel like it's my manifesto. It's our life's work. Uh, it's detailing out all the things that we did and and why they worked with lots of stories and case studies of clients and how they applied, how we applied these principles with them and the kind of outcomes that they experienced. Um, it's fun. I tried to make it a fun read, but that's also very useful. Right. And that's a tough balance to find. But, but going into it, you said you wanted to learn this process for yourself. What did you think would be the hardest part of it? And then what actually was? I thought the hardest part would be writing it because writing a book sounds intimidating. Uh, that was like the easiest part of it. <laughs> I wrote it pretty quickly because I've been, you know, I talk about this stuff, think about it all the time. Uh, the hardest part was the editing process. I edited it for like six months, wrote it in like a month or two. I edited it for six months. And I mean, I'm talking high level editing and micro editing. You know, I can't believe how many revisions this thing has gone through. Why did it take so much time? Well, I guess I'd never written a book before, so I didn't even really understand how important it would be to structure it well. Um, but going through an entire book over and over again and, and tweaking the structure and putting things in the right places, that was a much longer process than I expected. Um, and then once I had it in a great place, then just the editing process. I mean, I have, I hired multiple editors to do different levels of editing. Um, that wasn't as bad, but it was really the big picture editing that I don't know. I just didn't expect that to be so difficult. 
at this point with the book out there, how do you see it fitting into the rest of what you offer? Obviously, it's a much lower price point for people to see what you're all about, understand your manifesto, and, and see what it's like to work with you on a micro scale. But how do you see that fitting into the rest of what you offer? Uh, I think it's a great it's a great touch point for new people. Um, it's a very personal book. It's full of business advice, but it's all through the lens of our story and uh, and our business and our clients' businesses. So, I mean, if you read my book, I feel like you, you, you're going to feel like you know me pretty well and you'll kind of get what we're all about. Um, and, and I've had, you know, I already had a lot of people read it and some people who know me said, wow, I'm completely rethinking my business because of this book. And that is what I wanted, obviously. So first of all, I'm just so excited that people are reading it and having that experience. I mean, that I couldn't ask for more than that. Because when I first set out to do it, I thought, oh, you know, because everyone needs a book. It's like the new business card. Um, But it became so much more than that to me. In terms of my business, um, I think it's I think it's just a great marketing tool. I mean, I think it'll I I don't have a clear I don't have a clear plan. I just want to I just want to get these ideas out there. And I think my tribe will find me because of it. No, I think that's a great way to approach it. And honestly, you gave us a ton today. And we obviously can't condense it down. It's just a few little sound bites. But so if listeners are looking for like one actionable step they can take, one thing they can do to try to be more deliberate about how they're cultivating their brand and everything goes along with that, what would you recommend that they do? I would recommend looking inside yourself and looking at your previous work, your previous clients, and figuring out what you love about it and what you don't like. And try to explore how your business, you know, just let go of the shackles of what it should look like and explore what it could be if it was ideal for you. And I think that's a good starting point for people. That's where I start with clients. Like, forget what you think will sell. If in an ideal world, you just operating at your best, delivering your best value, what does that look like? And I think you'd be surprised. I think you could build a really amazing business based on what you love to do and only what you love to do. And when you do that, you put so much more enthusiasm into it. And that breeds value, which breeds profit. That was awesome. And I think the that breeds value, that breeds profit. We can almost put that on a little poster for people, be really motivational. About it. But honestly, <laughs> that was really, really good advice. And so before we do wrap up, I like to ask all of my guests just a few rapid fire questions and I'll go through them quickly, but your responses don't need to be so quick. And so the first one is just currently, what do you find yourself spending too much time doing? Working on things I'm really into late at night. <laughs> <laughs> Cutting into your sleep a little bit? When I work too late, my I don't sleep as well. But I really, I'm when I'm really into something, I like you know, I just can't stop. But it's not it's not good because then I kind of dream about it. What do you find yourself not spending enough time doing? Meditating and writing in my journal. When I when I put time into doing that, it's I can tell the difference. And I haven't been doing that recently. What usually gets in the way? I just want to get going. I'm <laughs> get all this stuff going on. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that later. You know, <laughs> but it's really important. What is something else that you're hoping to accomplish coming up in this next quarter? 
I want to launch. Well, I'm I've launched this consulting business already, but I want to take it to a different level. Uh, we're we're going to go to Europe for a month in uh, early summer, and I want to maintain and continue to build that consulting company while in Europe for a month because I know it's possible, but I have this mental block like I have to be here. So I want to prove to myself that I can do it not from here because I think that will open up a world of possibilities of freedom that I think mentally I know exists, but in my gut feels really scary or like not possible. If you were to pinpoint one thing that you see potentially being a roadblock towards achieving that, what would it be? Wussing out, (laughs) not doing it, not doing it so I can see. I mean, you know, fear of failure. Isn't that what everyone's is? Maybe it's not fear of failure. That would be my answer. While we have had a lot of fun chatting today, we've crammed a ton of information into this. We do have to part ways and say goodbye. But before we do that, if listeners are interested in learning more about what you're offering and about how they can get started taking better control of their brand, what is the best place that they can go? Well, I have actually a very special gift for you. I've never given this away before, but I wanted to give your listeners something really special. So I actually put up a page just for your listeners. It's badassyourbrand.com backslash AAP. Um, And if you go there, you can download both the first chapter of my book, which I hope is inspiring in and of itself, but also our entire brand shrink interview. So this is 80 questions that we, I mean, I don't go through every single question when it's live uh, with the client because I jump around based on the conversation. But these are the questions that I use to figure out what the hell is going on with everybody's businesses. And for your agencies, I feel like this will really help them at least understand what our process is. And maybe they can add some of this into their, um, into their process. That's awesome. I'll make sure to get that linked up in the show notes. And for listeners, again, it is badassyourbrand.com slash AAP. Definitely check that out. And Pia is not joking. She hasn't given this away before. This isn't some slimy internet marketing tactic to try to get everyone to jump over this. This really hasn't been out there before. It is free. Definitely check it out. Um, There's a lot of good stuff in there. But Pia, thank you so much for your time today. It was a lot of fun chatting. It was so fun. Thank you so much for having me. It's crazy to me how many agency owners immediately assume that they need to start growing their team in order to grow their business or even just to be taken seriously. For Pia and her partner, Steve, the best way to achieve their goals was to actually get rid of their team and get rid of all the services they offered that didn't ultimately put that much money into their pockets. By rebuilding and refocusing their business around their high-margin brand-ups, they were able to generate a more than comfortable profit of $250,000 a year, all while only working one or two weeks a month. And to top it all off, they were doing work they loved without the messy parts that wore on them. Pia shared a lot of how she made this transformation in our chat today, but she goes even deeper in her book, Badass Your Brand, which is now available on Amazon. I do want to make something clear, though. I'm definitely not trying to discourage you from building a team because I think for a lot of you out there, the way that you're going to reach your goals requires that you grow beyond yourself and your partner. What I am saying, though, is at least be deliberate about the process and make sure the path that you're on 
actually gets you where you want to go and gets you there without driving you crazy in the process. If you are looking to grow your agency, check out episode 35 of this podcast where Gray McKenzie shares how to avoid some of the common mistakes when growing beyond yourself. That's all I have for you this week. If you enjoyed the show and learned something, head over to iTunes and leave a review. Tell me what it was that you learned. I love hearing from listeners and positive reviews help us grow our audience. So if you could take a second to do that, I'd really appreciate it. And don't forget, if your agency is looking to hire remote contractors or maybe even looking for a few extra projects and are tired of paying huge fees to Upwork, head over to talent.hubstaff.com and create a profile. It's 100% free. All right, I'll talk to you next week. See ya. See ya.